0: Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. So what that tells me, uh, and we're not there yet, but, but we'll get there to this scripture, but we're not there yet. Sometimes I quote different versions that I didn't give you and I'll tell you. But anyhow, so once again, if God has set the members of the body in the church, if he's placed them where he wanted them, then where I go to church and where you go to church is not necessarily a matter of personal preference as much as it is a matter of divine appointment. Now, there are several reasons for that, and like I said, this is just a prelude to our evening, but it's important. Every sheep needs a shepherd and a sheepfold, and so God will place each one of us as a believer in a local church under the care of a pastor where we can be fed the Word of God, we can grow up spiritually, we can be protected and nurtured as a young believer, we can be encouraged and preserved as a mature believer and where we can receive the necessary revelation, impartation, spiritual equipment, if you will, to keep us from the snares of the enemy along our journey, and to put us on the right road to fulfilling our destiny in whether that be ministry, life, business, whatever the case may be. Are you with me? So, we say that the local church is where we find our significance as a Christian. It's where our individual purposes are discovered within the context of the corporate purpose. Uh, None of us were created to be an entity unto ourselves. As a Christian, our lives, our purposes, our destinies are interconnected in Christ. And so my life as a Christian and your life as a Christian will never find its true significance until I discover how I relate to the body of Christ as a whole. And that discovery primarily takes place within the context of the local church. And the local church, of course, is where we develop relationships with other believers. How many of you know we need each other? It's where we stand by each other. We encourage one another. When one falls, we lift him up. Man, when I grew up, the local church was the the hub of the community. Everybody rallied around one another. That's why this scripture uh, that is up here now in Hebrews 10 and 25, notice the Bible says, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." One translation, and I didn't give this to you, Sharon, one translation says, let's not give up meeting together. I don't know if you've seen this joke on social media. It is a joke, but it's still kind of interesting and funny. But Mr. Jones passed away. And so uh, he goes up into heaven at the pearly gates. Peter meets him there. And Peter's looking for his name on the roll uh, Mr. Jones, oh, there you are, Mr. Jones. Now, Mr. Jones, I see uh, that you are born again. I do also see you didn't actually attend church, uh, so you, you you but you did watch it online. You did watch it on television. So you don't actually get to go into heaven, but you may watch it online. <laughs> now, we know that's a joke, but still, it's good to be together, isn't it? You know, I would never be where I am in my life personally if it were not for my constant and continual relationship with the local church throughout my life. I was born and raised Southern Baptist, man, we were in the church. I, was, I started serving in the church when I was 16 years old. I was trained in the local church. Uh, I, I met my wife in the local church. Our ministry was launched from the local church and a large emphasis of our ministry today is still to the local church. Everybody say, thank God for the local church. So I'm simply saying to tonight that once, uh, once again, where we go to church is not necessarily a matter of personal preference. As much as it is divine appointment and placement, I'd said to you there's several reasons. First of all, God knows what each one of us are going to need personally to develop, to grow, to navigate this path of life uh, that we've been given, and He knows where to send us to receive the revelation, the truth, the impartations, but He also knows where to send us to forge relationships That will be very instrumental and beneficial, not only in our lives personally, but the lives of our family and also for kingdom purposes because there are not only personal destinies but there are corporate ones and so relationships are vital and god sends us to places where these divine connections and relationships can be formulated for our our blessing and our good and for the good of the kingdom of god i love exodus 31 1 through 6, I'm sure you've read it. I think we may have rehearsed it before. Verse 11, but notice this. God gave Moses a commission. Moses, build me a tabernacle, all right? And now watch what he said. The Lord spake to Moses saying, See, I've called by name Beziel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and in silver and in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I indeed have appointed with him a Aholiab, the son of Ahishmah of the tribe of Dan. And I have... I, "...have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you." Verse 11, "...and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, shall they do." Isn't that interesting? Moses, build me a tabernacle. Yes, sir. But I'm going to surround you with the individuals who are gifted and graced with the abilities and the resources and the enablements of my spirit to make sure that that commission comes into fruition. So when God calls a pastor to a city with a vision, guess what? He simultaneously calls a people if they're listening once again, with the gifts, graces, and abilities uh, to bring that vision into fruition. So I always encourage people, and as you're 35 years strong, and I know there are other pastors and congregations here, may I encourage you, don't let anyone or anything Thing separate you from your God-appointed placement in the body of Christ as it pertains to the local church. I've been around long enough to see things. And I've seen people leave churches out of offense like we've talked about this week, maybe disagreement, maybe personal agenda, uh, maybe their own discouragements of life and they pull away from the body of Christ. And you know, As just from an objective viewpoint, I've noticed it doesn't always fare well in the long term. It can impact them personally and their family, plus, it can hinder uh, the development of the vision God has assigned them to. Is anybody with me tonight? So anyway, we realize people transition in life by by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I transition many times. But how many of you know you can be born and raised in the same city and attend the same church your entire life? by the divine will and plan and purpose of God. And can I tell you, as was already spoken, there's an eternal reward for that faithfulness. I guarantee it on the judgment day at the judgment seat, you're going to be rewarded. Hallelujah. So, that's just all to say let's stay planted, let's keep moving forward. Wherever you're planted, stay on the team, right? Woo! That was just the prelude. Now, I'm a teacher by gifting, but I I start slow, but we'll finish strong, okay? So, thinking about that and thinking about uh, this church celebrating 35 years and then all week we've had meetings, and I know many of you have had some wonderful things that have happened to you, it just seemed good to me that we should end tonight with what I would call a celebration service. Just calling to mind the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the blessings of God to us personally and corporately and offering what the Bible calls the sacrifice of praise. So I told him, I said, now listen, load the gun, but don't pull the trigger, right? Let me pull the trigger. You know, when you're ministering, you want them to load the gun, but you got to have some place to go, right? So we're going to go. Woo! So we're gonna offer that sacrifice of praise tonight, but do you mind if I lay a little foundation from the scripture from which to operate? All right, so, uh, you know, biblically and historically, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a priesthood from the tribe of Levi. Are you familiar with that? And it was the responsibility of the priesthood to offer the various sacrifices that were required as ordinances of worship under the Old Covenant. They had daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, annual sacrifices, wave offerings, grain offerings, offerings given for a person when their health was restored. I mean, you name it, they had it. And it was the responsibility of the priesthood to offer those sacrifices. Well, how many of you know, and uh, Reverend Philip read this verse, that in the New Testament dispensation, the institution of the priesthood still exists. Does everybody realize that? How do we know? Because the Bible tells us so. 1 Peter chapter 2, notice verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a his own special people. So when someone says, "Well, aren't you special?" You say, "Yes, I am." Yes, I am. His own special people. <laughs> <laughs> that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So in this New Testament dispensation, you and I as the sons and the daughters of God constitute the New Testament a priesthood. And it is the responsibility of the priesthood to offer the sacrifices required. Now, just as a little history lesson, in the Old Covenant, Man is separated from God because of sin. We've got a sin problem, right? Romans 6.23, what does it tell us? It says the wages or the payment or the compensation necessary for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God said, we've got a sin problem, and because the payment necessary for that sin is death, he said, I'm going to have to devise a temporary solution for the sin problem. And he said, this is what we're going to do. Every year, once a year, the high priest and only the high priest will come into the very inner sanctuary of the temple which was called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and the manifested presence of God. And he would come and he would shed the blood of a sacrificial animal and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat and upon the altar in the presence of God. And God said, I will receive that blood as payment or compensation for the sins of the people for one year. Now you say, why blood? Well, Leviticus 17 and 11. What does the Bible say? The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement or payment or compensation for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement, for the soul so when they poured out the blood of that animal because the life of the flesh is in the blood it was symbolic of that life being given as a substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of the people and for their lives and he said we're going to do that every year right because Hebrews 9 and 22 says Without the very bottom part of the verse, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission. There can be no dismissal of the charges, right? So he said, we'll do it every year until I can send the final solution, which he did. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She will bring forth a son and will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. How? How? By shedding his own blood. The Lamb of God, the Bible says, slain from the foundation of the world, shedding his blood upon the altar of the cross, eternally purging the sins of all those who will receive the sacrifice. (laughs) How many of you have received the sacrifice? Congratulations, your sins are remitted. He has eternally satisfied the claims of justice. Hebrews 9 and 12 says, It's not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That sacrifice, that sin offering never has to be offered again. It's been offered once and for all, once again, eternally satisfying the claims of justice. And yet, here we are in this New Testament dispensation. We're the priesthood, and there are still sacrifices that are required under the ordinances of the new covenant to be offered by the priesthood. What are they? Well, it's not the blood of goats, pigeons, or doves. What is it? Well, First Peter 2 and 5, look here. You are lively stones, as lively stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up, somebody tell me, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the sacrifices that you and I are to offer as the priesthood, they're spiritual In nature and origin and the New Testament tells us exactly what they are Uh, we'll mention a few one that's been emphasized here Romans chapter 12 verses 1 2 it's not our main point but we'll mention it what did Paul say I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body a living which means lifetime, moment-by-moment sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him, which is your reasonable service. One translation says your spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the sacrifices we're to offer is our lives and our bodies moment by moment, day by day. Right? In honor, submission, and reverence to God. Uh, I did not give this to you, Sharon, so you can stay right there. But the, uh, I think it's the Message Bible. I love that translation of this verse. In Romans 12, Paul said, Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. And it does take His help. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life and I want you to place it before me as an offering. And don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even realizing it. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) So that's one of our sacrifices, and it isn't burdensome. It's a blessing and it's a delight. But the one we're going to emphasize and offer and experience this evening is found over in Hebrews 13, 15. I know you know this, but it's always good to have the word on it, right? So Hebrews 13 and 15, By Him, by Jesus Christ, therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, now, aren't you glad he didn't leave us in the dark? He tells us exactly what that sacrifice consists of. Do you mind if I get a little spray here? This is called Entertainer Secret. I'm not entertaining, but it's for vocalists. (laughs) Wet the whistle. I don't know what that's going to sound like on the podcast. but Get a little squirt, but anyhow so the fruit (laughs) don't get me started the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name right so when we say the sacrifice of praise the sacrifice of praise demands the expression of the heart in thanksgiving to God through the lips or the mouth. Now, in our modern society, because people are uncomfortable expressing their hearts as they, you know, as in days gone by, uh, we have substituted an external action for an internal response. Let's praise the Lord. Well, I don't have a problem with you clapping. If Oh, clap your hands all you people, shout unto God, clap with the music, have a great time. But when someone says, let's praise the Lord, that's when the hands go up, the mouth goes open, and the heart begins to tell him how thankful we are, right? Is there a connection? Look at Psalm 34 and verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. In my mouth. Here's another one. Psalm 71 and verse 8. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. So, you know, I taught in Bible school at Raymond. one of the courses I taught was uh, uh, Heart of the Worshipper. So, you know, you do some investigation. So I was looking at the word praise in the Hebrew. And there's about five different meanings of the word praise. There may be others, but these are the ones I'll emphasize. The first meaning of the word praise in the Hebrew means to shine, shine. So that has something to do with your countenance. You cannot praise God with an old mulligrub face. Well, praise the Lord. Really? I don't believe you. Right? Because like we sang this morning, there's something on the inside. It should be working on the outside. Right? There is The Bible says, lift up your countenance, all you saints of the Lord. So a part of praise is to shine. Right? You know, smile. Shine. Even if you don't have teeth, it's all right right? So, to shine, let me give you another meaning of the word uh, praise in the the Hebrew, to make a show. Make a show. So that obviously means if someone's making a show or something's being made a show, something's being demonstrated. Are you with me? Right here. You can see it. Something's happening. Right? So, To make a show. When you're praising God, there's going to be a little shine. Somebody's going to be making a show. Not drawing attention to themselves, but making a show. Here's another one. To boast. We're talking about the sacrifice of praise. When we're praising God, we're boasting about Him. Now, you know, when I was a kid, and you got in a spat on the... uh, you know, the playground with somebody. It's not like it is today. Now they'll shoot you. But I mean, when I was a kid, you just, you know, you might get in a little tussle, and if you were losing, you, you'd stand up and you'd say, My dad can whip your dad. My dad's six foot two. My dad's this. My dad's that. You start bragging on your daddy because you're not doing so good. You know what I mean? And, and when, you, <laughs> when you praise God, you're boasting about your father. Woo, there's none above him there's none beside you there's none before you you alone are God you are merciful you are faithful you are good you are compassionate and we worship you and we praise you so shine make a show boast now here's one of my favorites cuz I want you to know it's scriptural To praise God in the Hebrew means to celebrate, celebrate. Have you ever seen anybody celebrate, friends? Now think about it. You know kids at parties when they celebrate, they're so uninhibited. But think about this. If you're a sports fan, and I'm sure there are some in here, uh, you know, I don't know if you've got your favorite football team or basketball team or anything going on here now. What is it? Any sports happening? Football, basketball, whatever it is. And man, you know, you're a a bona fide fan. You're at the game. And it's the last quarter and the last minute. And your team is three points down. And the, the quarterback throws a pass and the receiver gets it and makes a touchdown. And you are a fan. I'll guarantee you you don't sit there and say, well, isn't that wonderful, Martha? they got a touchdown. Not if you're a fan, you don't. What do you do? I mean, you're on the edge of your seat, and then all of a sudden, they, you're jumping up and down. You're dancing around. You're celebrating. Nobody thinks anything about it. Oh, they're no, that's normal. They're a fan, man. They're a fanatic. Guess what? Jesus did a lot more than take a bag of wind down the field. He redeemed us. He saved us. He raised us up to sit in heavenly places. He deserves a little celebration, and it's in order. It's in order to shine, make a show, boast, celebrate. And then, of course, the fifth one is to uh, commend or speak favorably of, just like uh, Pastor Kimberly was speaking favorably of the ones who have helped and so forth. When you commend someone and you speak favorably of them, that's a part of praise. Father, thank you, commending. Thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ. Thank you that you called us out of darkness into your light. You took us out of death into life. You made us new creations in Christ. Thank you. Are you with me? So, commend and speak favorably. And then, in the Greek, just so you know, because we're going to exercise this, it means the genuine, that means heartfelt, genuine confession. There's your mouth again. Genuine confession of facts in one's life that brings glory to God. When you tell others what He has done for you, the genuine confession of facts in one's life that brings glory to God, right? So we're going to offer this sacrifice of praise this evening. Uh, 1 Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. (laughs) And his mercy endures forever. He's worthy of it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now, here's a good one. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. Listen at this. It is good to say thank you to the Lord and to sing praises to the God who is above all gods. Verse 2, watch this. Every morning, tell him, thank you for your kindness. Every evening, rejoice in all of his faithfulness. When you get up in the morning, thank you for your kindness, Father. When you go to bed at night or throughout your day, thank you for your faithfulness. Here's another one. This is where you're coming in tonight, Psalm 35, 28. I will tell everyone, well, I'm just a little... I'm quiet, I I don't, I will tell everyone how great and how good you are. (laughs) I will praise you all day long. I'll tell everybody. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We've been here all week. I finally got here at 2.15 a.m. one night with a plane delay, but I made it. But you've been here all week. And God has done things in the lives of people in these meetings. And he's done things in your life prior to these meetings. But this is the game plan. This is a celebration service. So what we're going to do, and I'll just give you the game plan, in a moment, not right now, but in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And then I'm going to count to three. And when I do, we are going to lift our voices in a shout of praise to God. You say, I'm visiting. Do I have to shout? Well, you don't have to, but it sure would be good for you. You know the detergent? Shout, they say, for the tough stains, shout it out. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to give a good shout of praise. Now listen, I don't know why God likes it, but he does. How do you know he likes it? Because, friends, you can read the Psalms over and over. Shout unto God, ye righteous, shout for joy. You know, oh, I mean, just multiple. And then if you read the Old Testament battle plans, I mean, God would give these plans. And he would say, now, do this, 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 and then shout. So he likes it. And obviously, it must activate something in the realm of the Spirit. Are you with me? So we're going to start. We're going to scare every devil in Terre Haute. We're going to let them know we're still here and we're not leaving and we're moving forward. And wherever you're from and whatever church you're in, woo, we're going to give a shout in this house. And we'll do that for a few moments. And then I'm going to ask different ones of you, as members of the priesthood to come up here and give a personal sacrifice of praise. And what I mean by that is I want you to come tell us something God has done for you in your life if he has delivered you from drugs, alcohol, fear, depression, anxiety, if he restored a relationship or gave you grace when one was dissolved to walk uh, through that or helped you with your job or or blessed you financially or helped you pay your bills or whatever he may have done, I want you to come tell us. Are you with me? Now, I'll say this as nice as I can. This is not your latest revelation from the scripture, right? It's not a mini sermon. This is a sacrifice of praise. Everybody with me? I'm going to hold the microphone so I can make sure it's close to your mouth, right? And and then what we want in these sacrifices of praise, we want headlines. Everybody say headlines. You know when you're reading the paper and you got a magazine, you got headlines and fine print. No fine print. Because we don't have time. We want headlines. We want to keep the flow going. So if you're a person that's given to great detail, and that's not indicative of gender, it's personality type. There are men who are of great detail. But if you are a person given to great detail, I want you to begin to think right now how you can consolidate. Because we want to hear what was the situation, briefly, what God did and the victory he gave you. Are you with me? Can you do that? You say, well, I've never testified before. That's all right. There's always a first time for everything. And there's something about telling it. Did you notice the scripture? I will tell everyone How good and great you've been. Not only is it personally liberating, and not only does it bring glory to God, but it encourages the faith of other people who may be dealing with the very same thing, and God got you out of it. So, has anybody in this room ever been healed? I mean, really healed? Look at all those hands. I know God has done amazing things, so don't make me come get you because I saw your hands. Right? So you just come on. And what you're going to do is you're going to line up on this side, line up on that side. I'll, I'll call one at a time, and you come stand here, and you tell us. All right? And then, after we take some of those praise reports or sacrifices of praise, we're going to give one final shout of praise. Now, see, this is with, with purpose. The first one is thanking God for all he has done right? And as Pastor Kimberly was mentioned, Pastor Mark's teaching on praise, there is what we call the last shout of praise is going to be a praise of or an anticipatory praise, a praise of expectation. Is that valid scripturally? Absolutely. Sometimes you're standing, you're believing for something, you've prayed your prayer, you've done all you know to do, but it hasn't yet manifested. Uh, As they say, there's nothing left to do but to praise God because there is that praise of anticipation. A question for you. When did they shout with the walls of Jericho? Was it before the walls fell or after? Before right? When did they shout with Gideon and the Midianites? Before or after the battle was won? Before. Israel and the Philistines. Over and over you will see that anticipation, that shout of praise because you know what's on the way. God's heard my prayer, and the answer's on the way. So we're going to give that final shout of praise. Here's a scripture for you. You've read it many times. Acts 16, 25, and 26. You remember the story at midnight? Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises in a very quiet, reverent voice because they didn't want to disturb the other prisoners. Is that what it said? No, all the prisoners heard him. So it was obviously a little rambunctious, right? They didn't care. <laughs> and suddenly, oh, an earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And watch this, immediately, Paul and Silas' doors were open. Is that what it says? It says, all the doors were open everyone's bands were loosed. What that means is everybody in the vicinity got the impact of their praise. You can be in here tonight and as we lift our voice, not in just commotion, but praise, where our heart is truly uh, hooked up with what we're doing, then the presence of God comes in. Prison doors are open shackles are loosed and all you have to do is be in the vicinity you'll walk out of here and you'll know wait hey something's different when they say there's power in praise friends there is power in praise i had a woman write our ministry 10 years later uh, than the event happened she said actually I, I i don't know if she was in school or in a meeting she may have been in school Uh, But she said, Mr. Blackwelder, uh, I was in one of your services, wherever that may have been. And she said, everybody in the room, they were praising God. They were shouting. She said, I wasn't raised in that atmosphere. I I, I, I had my hair real nice and my high heels on and people were running. And she said, "I, I had this sense that I should take off running. And she said, but, but, you know, I just wasn't raised like that. And like I said, I had my nice, I was looking fine. And so I just didn't run. And it died down. And, and then you came up and said, you know, someone, God wanted to work a miracle in someone's life. And you missed your opportunity because there's power in praise. And I, she said, you said, let's all just begin to praise God again. And she said, when they did, that same sense came on me. Well, you know the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he outran the chariots all the, back, all the way back to Jezreel. That's real. She said, all of a sudden, that same sense, and she said, I suppose the Holy Spirit came upon me. And she said, I kicked off my shoes. And I took off running around that auditorium. And she said, Mr. Blackwilder, you don't understand the miracle that that was. When I got around the front, it's as though something came over me. And she said, I took another lap. And I knew that I knew that I knew I was healed. She said, I had chronic asthma all my life. Chronic. And she said, there's no way I could have run around that building. But she said, I've waited 10 years to write you it's been 10 years and I've never had another episode of asthma glory to God so there's power and praise all right